Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. Good morning. How are we doing, church? You guys look good. Fall has fallen. I love all the layers, the jackets. Everybody looks amazing. Yasmin has the full Full coat. I love that. Um, Man, what an honor it is today to talk about how good God is. Um, And what an honor it is to be a part of this church. Like David said, my name is Macy. And about three and a half years ago, uh, my husband and I moved from Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles, California to, come on, D.C., give it up. We got one person who got real hyped for D.C., (laughs) Uh, We moved all the way to Los Angeles to be a part of this community. And looking back, I don't know if I fully understand or understood, rather, the condition of where my heart was at or where my soul was at. Um, It was in a bad place. (laughs) And this house has brought so much healing. Um, And every single person in this room, um, I don't know all of you, but us as a community, man, welcomed us in at such a pivotal time in our life and brought so much healing, so much love, um, and just so much care for where we are at. So I'm so incredibly thankful for this community that we found. So can you give it up for yourself? Um, Yeah, come on. If you've been going to Oasis for a long time or maybe you just started coming and that's the kind of community this is. Um, I know when you're so close to something, my mom growing up, we always used to decorate the Christmas tree and uh, we would put all the bulbs on, all the lights on and she would say, all right, you got to back up. You got to back up because you got to see the whole picture. So let me back up for us this morning. Hey, what's happening at this church is not normal. Um, What's happening right now at this specific time in culture is not normal. What's happening in your life and your story is not normal normal and God is moving and God is active. And so I'm just really thankful to be a part. Uh, Do you guys love our lead pastors, Julian and Christina? Come on, can we give it up for Pastor Julian, Pastor Christina? Um, They are incredible. And I know you already know this, but yes, Christina is funnier than Julian. I'm going to say it right now. She's hysterical. Uh, She's anointed. She's gifted. Julian Lowe is unlike any other person I've ever met on the face of this planet. And they have just been so impactful in my personal story, but I know in every single person in this room, your story. Um, And I'm just so incredibly thankful for their family that they said yes to following Jesus, even though it hasn't been a walk in the park, but they've kept going. And that's just something I'm so thankful for. And we really get to inherit the fruit of all the prayers that they've prayed, all the seed that they've sown. So can we do this one more time? Give it up for Pastor Julian and Pastor Christina. Come on, they're incredible. Dallas and Bailey, they're so perfect. I've never met a kinder person than Bailey Lowe. Um, This is my water bottle, uh, my ESB, emotional support bottle. That's what I like to call it. It's really funny that I brought this up here with me today, but I'm really thankful. Um, I have been a church kid my entire life following Jesus for a really long time. And, you know, that comes with its trauma. Um, But I'm really thankful for my family, for growing up in the house of God. And everything that I've kind of done in my life, um, every decision that I've made, every pivotal moment has really been through this lens of, man, I just want to do my best and follow Jesus. And I just want to give God my best and follow Jesus. And it's something I take so incredibly seriously. And so again, that just goes to 
the immense honor that this is to be here, just to simply talk about how good God is. So if you're taking notes, I have titled today's talk, What Do You See? I used to be a youth pastor, and I would say, if you're taking notes, then they'd all be on TikTok. So we're just going to go ahead and say, hey, we're all actually taking notes on our phones, on a journal, whatever you've got. These notes are going to be great for Monday, right? Because Sunday, I'm encouraged. Monday, I'm feeling low. I can ask myself, hey, what do you see? With all the talk of Vision Sunday, with all the talk of vision, it only felt appropriate to ask myself the question the past couple weeks, well, hey, what do I see? Because I know Vision Sunday is coming up, and I know we're talking about the vision for this house, the vision for our church, the vision for this city. But, man, what do do I see? What's the vision for my life? God, show me. Would you show me the vision for my life? And so a little bit of my story is I grew up on the East Coast. Anybody else grow up on the East Coast? Come on. West Coast, best coast, though, am I right? Yeah? Okay. Okay. I live by the beach. It can't get better than that. I'm going to be honest. Uh, but I grew up on the dirty south, which we could go a lot of different directions here, but I'm going to talk about southern culture. If you know anything about southern culture, you know you got sweet tea. You know we say y'all. Anybody ever eat some cheese grits? Come on. I grew up on cheese grits. I grew up on country crock butter. It's probably why I'm like... Not okay today, you know what I mean? Um, I grew up in a Southern culture, and one thing about Southern culture you need to know is we've got big families. So I've got a big old family back in the South, and I'm going to be honest, one day I got a Facebook request from this guy, and I was like, Mom, who's this guy? And she's like, that's my brother. I'm like, I had no idea that's how big my family is. It's like massive family all throughout the South. Um, But one other thing about the South is we name things really weird, and so we don't just have grandma and grandpa. I've got Mama and Papa. Yeah, yeah. Haley's giving me a good nod. Yeah. Mama and Papa, that was the norm for me growing up. And my Mama, who she is an incredible lady. We had so much fun um, growing up and going to her house and just like always would give us presents, always would make the best food. But my Mama's blind. And so it was very normal for us in our reality for her um, reality to look a lot different than the norm. So what I mean by that is we would go over there and we would be, want to play with makeup and want to have a whole, it was four little girl cousins, want to all do our makeup together. But we had to be really intentional about putting everything back in its proper place because she couldn't see anything. And so she had everything in a particular order to help her when she was getting ready. Um, she had this little machine that she would put on all her clothes. Because one thing about Mama is Mama, she couldn't see you, but you, she knew that you could see her. And so she was going to look good. She had her nails done all the time. She had her hair done all the time. Her makeup always looked amazing. Her outfits were incredible because she had this little tool that would tell her what color her shirt was, what color her pants were, and she'd make sure to look good every day. And so that was her reality. And We kind of normalized it, but looking back and zooming out about this, that disability really impacted everything in her life, everything. And when I think about that story and then how it relates maybe to our vision and our relationship with Jesus, I wonder if anybody else in here relates to maybe this feeling that I have of, man, have I ever been blind to the act of God in my life? Have I ever been blind to the presence of Jesus in my life? 
have I ever been unaware of what God is doing, so unaware that it's actually impacted my entire reality based off of a disability that I have or an impact that I have of not seeing Jesus clearly, not having the proper vision, what do you see? And so we're going to talk through three things this morning. We're going to talk through what you see determines who you are, what you see determines where you go, and what you see determines what you do. Because what you see, whether you know it or not, it impacts every single part of your life, every single part of your reality. So we're going to start with reading this passage of scripture in Romans. Anybody in here got their Bible on their phone? All right, you got your Bible app. So if you got your Bible app, go ahead and turn to Romans 4. If you got your actual physical Bibles, you can flip to Romans 4. And I'm going to be reading a verse out of the message translation this morning. I just love how they write, how it sounds. It's just so beautifully written. Um, but before we dive into that, the context of the story we're about to hear a bit more about is the story of Abraham and Sarah. And if you're a church kid or you've been around church for a while, you have heard of Abraham and Sarah. And you know the song, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. Yeah, I was one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right. Yeah, you guys sound amazing. Good job. All right, you're going to join the choir. It's going to be powerful. We're going to sing that song next Sunday. I'm kidding. But. Abraham and Sarah are celebrities in the Bible. They are OGs. They are pretty much the father of our faith, Abraham is known as. And so to give you a little bit of summary of this twist and turn story up and down that's originally found in Genesis, Abraham and Sarah struggled their entire life with infertility. And that's kind of what they were known for. Their story was known for their problem of infertility. But we see this point in scripture where God appears to Abraham and says, hey, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. You're going to be the father of our faith. But it, he doesn't have any kids. He can't have kids. He's 100 years old, and his wife has been infertile for years. So they encounter this problem, but they have this promise from God. And I love this story of Again, twists, turns, ups, downs, but they really stayed committed to the vision that God gave them and the promise that God gave them, and they ended up having a son, a boy named Isaac. And from there, you can read throughout scriptures of everything that kind of comes out of this family and their legacy. But I want to um, pick up in this passage of scripture because it kind of reads us or it reads through a lens of now we have the understanding of the story, but how does Abraham's faith apply to us? And so I want to pick up in verse 17. It's going to be on the Bible in the sky. Uh, it says this, we call Abraham father, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life and with a word make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, if you're taking notes, if you have your Bible app open, if you have your paper copy, underline, circle, write this down. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, 
but on what God said he would do. And so he was made a father of a multitudes of people. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child, nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. Rather, he plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he said. That's why it said that Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham, it's also for us. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life, when the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God, set us right with God. Come on, what do you see? Come on, let's pray together. Jesus. God, we love you so much. God, right now, even in this moment, help us to see clearly. Help us to develop new patterns of thinking. God, unlock new thoughts and ideas. Would our hearts be soft? Would our ears be open? God, help us to see you in this very moment. God, help us to see you later in today with our friends and our family but God, help us to see you clearly. We love you so much. And we all said, amen. Come on, it says, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. You guys ever feel hopeless? Abraham believed anyway. It says, God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. You ever feel like a nobody? Yep. Because he trusted God. He didn't have to do anything or strive or try. He simply trusted. He didn't focus on his own impotence. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, sure that God would do good on what he said. Abraham didn't live a life on the basis of what he couldn't see, but on what God said. And that's Bible. And that's powerful. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, what you see determines who you are. What you see determines who you are. I want to ask the question, hey, do you know what God says about you? What do you see? Do you see yourself how God sees you? And I want to ask this question because I feel like it really is intertwined. That's a word. How do you see God? Because how you see God will dictate everything in your life. How you see yourself dependent on how you see God. And so I don't know what your background is. I don't know what thoughts you came in here with um, about God. Is God this? Is Jesus this? But let me be very, very clear. Jesus is so good. God loves you so much. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God's not some scary God that's far off. He's close and he's near. So maybe you grew up in church and your context is, man, if I do anything wrong, God's going to be mad at me. No, God loves you. He wants the good, the bad, the ugly. God is close and he loves you. How you see God is predicated, how you see you rather is predicated on how you see God. God. And this point is intentionally first, because if we have a distorted view of God and a distorted view of ourselves, we really can't move on from there. 
we really have to have this deep awareness, this understanding of, hey, who does God say I am? Who is God? Because that's the foundation of everything, and we move on from here. Anybody in the room uh, sports fans? Woo, couple people. I'm a big sports girl. Nope, not at all. But it works great for this story. Come on, who in here loves NFL? Come on, who in here loves Travis Kelsey? Taylor Swift, put him on the map, y'all. I, I couldn't even tell you who this man was before Taylor Swift. I couldn't even tell you who the Chiefs were before Taylor Swift, but Taylor put Travis on the map. Sports, sports, love him, love him, thank you. <laughs> couldn't even tell you who this man was, but I'm really, really happy for him. So praise God for Taylor Swift. Come on, but if you're an athlete, if you're Travis Kelsey, if you play for the NFL, if you're an Olympian, an Olympic athlete, if you ask one of those people, hey, who are you? They'd probably say, I'm an athlete. And they have this understanding, this awareness of who they are at their core that it really shapes everything in their life. Pretty sure they wake up early to go train. Pretty sure they go to bed a little bit earlier. Pretty sure they eat the right food. Pretty sure they're training. Their entire schedule is dictated off of who they are, sports. <laughs> For me, I'm a runner. I don't know about you, but I don't know. I run. As of like, thank you. As of one month ago, I am a runner. At the beginning of 2023, I made a list of things that I was scared of. At the top of that list, number one, running terrified, hate running, don't love it. But shout out to my running crew because we're running a half marathon in January. Yeah, you can be really proud of me, really proud. Not a runner, but I am a runner. You hear where I'm going with this? I'm a runner. It, this whole thing started with me at the beginning of the year being all in my little cute journal, being like, all right, here we go this year. What are we going to do? I'm really scared of running, so maybe we should try it. So I had this idea uh, it took until the end of the year. It's October for me to decide this. So great job on your New Year's goals. Um, it took about the end of the year for me to be like, all right, I'm a runner. I can see myself doing this. I see myself crossing the finish line. I see myself high-fiving Lane at the finish line. I see myself running five miles, running six miles. I see myself posting the photo on Instagram and everybody liking it. I see myself vlogging on TikTok saying, I'm a runner now. I can see it. I'm a runner. So everything in my life has changed because I have this vision for my life. I'm a runner. Everything in an athlete's life is dependent on, hey, what you see determines who you are. And this scripture, it says this, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to not live on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. Abraham saw himself as a father before he was ever a father, before he ever had this impact, before he ever had this legacy. He saw who God said he was. And I think a lot of time we can get into church or maybe following Jesus for a little bit or for a long time, and we have this mentality about Christianity and about Jesus that it's a say yes to heaven, say no to hell scenario. And I'm not saying that's wrong because, yes, when you follow Jesus, we get a lifetime with him in heaven. But did you know you have access to Jesus right now? 
that your thoughts can change right now because when you say Jesus, you're entering into a relationship with him where you have access to things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All of these things are all because of Jesus. It requires a shift in thinking, a shift in your thought life, a shift in how you view things. That now I have Jesus, I have access to all of these things. Abraham could have said, hey, no, like, I'm old. My wife has had years of infertility. This is too hard to keep trying. Like, this is painful. But he saw the promise. And he saw who God said he was, a father, a legacy, a living a life beyond himself. And he pursued that promise. And so on days, maybe where I can't see what God says about me, I gotta remind myself what God says about me. Because let me be clear, I can't wait for a pastor to tell me about me. I can't wait for a word. I gotta tell me about me. I can't wait for my mom or my dad to validate me. I can't wait for my boss to validate me. I can't wait for my friendships to validate me. I can't wait for that. I've gotta tell me, hey, what does God say about me? Hey, what does God say about you? You're called, you're anointed, you're chosen, you're loved, you're seen, you're valued. These are the thoughts of God. This is not visualization. This is not manifestation. These are the thoughts of God about you over your life. What you see determines who you are. Number two is this. What you see determines where you go. What you see determines where you go. In the Bible, especially if you've ever read the Old Testament, legacy is everything. Have you ever read the Old Testament and then you open it up and then you see all the names in order and over and you're like, flip, skip, <laughs> me. <laughs> hey, that is legacy. That is really important. It helps us understand and learn from today what God was actually doing in the bigger picture of everything. But Abraham was probably at the top of that list. Abraham and Sarah, without Isaac, would we ever hear about them? I don't know. Abraham and Sarah with Isaac, the father of many nations, the father of our faith. Abraham knew where he was going. It said God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody because he trusted God. L.A. makes you think that you got to be a somebody. You don't got to be anybody. You just got to be who God called you to be, and trust God. The father of our faith was only that way because he trusted God. And so in this story, we see that there was the problem and the promise, right? And it would have been really valid to, for Abraham and Sarah to say something like, hey, this is too difficult. I, I don't, I'm old I'm infertile, this is hard. And let me be clear, this is not a story of immaculate conception. Abraham and Sarah had to do something to get a baby, if you know what I mean. But genuinely, can you imagine the pain? Year after year, month after month, well, God told me this, but it's been 20 years. Can you imagine the hardship that they had to walk through as a family? 
and the hurt month after month and people probably saying, hey, just give up. You're good. Again, this story, crazy twists and turns. You got to read the whole thing. But they trusted God. And I don't know about you, but I've encountered a lot of people that opened up about their problems, that opened up about their struggle. And I am the kind of personality um, where I'm like, man, that's valid. I'm so sorry you're going through that. And there is. There's space for that. But can I kindly press back this morning and remind you to keep going? Because what you see determines where you go. If Abraham and Sarah would have just seen their current situation, seen their problem, seen the years of pain, seen the years of hardship, seen the years of grief between a family that honestly is such a personal internal struggle, people don't even get it. If that's all they would have seen, that's it. And I have story after story of friends, of family, of loved ones getting straight up to the line and encountering their problem and calling it quits. And can I kindly remind you, keep going because God's faithful. God's good. What God said, God will do. What you see determines where you go. Why do we even keep going? Why do we keep doing these things? I mean, it it doesn't end with us. I see a church. I see people. I don't know every single one of your stories, but I bet that God has given you some promises in your life, and you might have asked the question, hey, God, what about that? Remember when you said that? Um, Hear me? You still there? Why do I keep doing this? Why am I still going? Hey, it doesn't end with us. I want to have the kind of faith where I pray prayers that my kids see the fruit of. I don't want my prayers to just stay with me and Kyle. I want my prayers to go generations. I want to have a legacy. This church is called to legacy. This church has been a church for hundreds of years. The prayers that we pray today, the songs that we sing, the tears that we cry, they don't end with us. There's so much more to come. What you see determines where you go. We just got an electric car. I'm really excited about it. I don't know why I'm raising my hand, but we just got an electric car. But I had to tell you, we used to have a Jeep, and I loved my Jeep. It was the coolest car ever. I felt really awesome until I was paying $5,000 a month in gas. Um, That was rough. That was really hard. It was exactly $5,000, too. I want to make that very clear. Every month, that's what it felt like. It was awful but it felt cool in my car. So what we decided to get a little Subaru, a little Sub. Right now, this is my husband's Roman Empire. All he thinks about is charging this car because it's changed everything about our life. If you don't get Roman Empire, I'm so sorry. I'm a millennial. Um, look on TikTok. People are like, wait, what? Where is this going? I don't know. I don't know. Everything about our life has changed because of this car. We have this app on our phone, and it tells us exactly where to go like to charge up. And so how we traveled has drastically changed. Where we go has drastically changed. I'm just trying to go to Kava, and Kyle's like, we got to go to this Kava because there's a flow charger station right here. And I'm like, bro, it's fully charged. He's like, I just want to. I just want to charge it. I'm like, it's fully charged. We're good. Hey, we're good, babe. 
It's obsessed, obsessed with charging our car. All right, great, I'm glad, happy for you. But it's really changed everything because we literally have the exact vision for where to go. So I want to pose this question or this thought that, man, when you start to follow Jesus, yes, there's an elevated way that you think, but there's also a difference in the way you travel. There's a difference to where you go. There's a difference to what you do. There's a difference in our traveling, a different posture that we take on. There's an elevated way of traveling. And let me say this. I didn't say this in the first service, but where you go, not everybody can come with you. Oh, someone said, say that again. Hey, where you go, not everybody can go with you. And I was a youth pastor for four years, and so this felt very normal to talk to about high school, middle school students. Shout out to Oasis Youth in the front row. I love you all. But as I've gotten older, I realized, oh, my gosh, the same thing applies to us, applies to adults, is we have this idea of this potential, of this vision that we see our lives going. And it's really difficult because sometimes that friend can't go with you. That's not the vision for their life. And that's not a judgmental thing. That's just you, you have to know where God's calling you to go and be secure and confident in what God has said about the direction you take versus what anybody else says about the direction that you take. So we've covered a few things. We've covered this. What you see determines who you are. What you see determines where you go. And lastly, what you see determines what you do. What you see determines what you do. The worship team can come because we're going to worship here together in a couple minutes. But in this entire scripture in Romans, the lens of which we are learning about faith and the lens of which we are learning about Abraham was all through a lens of Jesus. New Testament, Jesus. Old Testament, rules, laws, regulations. So we're reading through this lens from this writer of Romans who is talking about how Abraham is the father of our faith. And the whole premise is, hey, he is this, and God says he's this, because God said it, not because anything that Abraham did or didn't do. And so I don't know about you, but I'm the type of personality who's all in or all out on something. I mean, I just told you I, I hate running and I signed up for a half marathon, so that explains my personality in a nutshell. But I would typically leave something like this, and I would say, all right, got to go home. Got to read my Bible every day. I'm blocking this person, this person. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> I got to get my vision straight. She said, where I'm going, they can't come with me, so I have to stay focused. Okay, no. Everybody take a deep breath. But I love this story because it's literally predicated on what God said and who God is. And that is so life-giving to me because as a doer and as a very practical person, I want to get everything right. I find so much value in getting it right. I find so much value um, being sparkly and shiny and impressing you. I find so much value in that. But if that's what my relationship with God looks like, then God is probably just a vending machine. Put in a good thing, get out what I want. Put in a quarter, get out a snack. I can't impress God. You can't impress God. God loves you because of Jesus. Because that Jesus gave his life for you. There's nothing you could do or not do that would change or depict how God sees you. It's just because we said yes to Jesus. 
So like I was saying, I would maybe leave something like this and I would go home and I would write on my fridge, all right, here's my goals for the week. Not, hey, those aren't bad thing. Get your goals, girl. But when it comes to Jesus and it comes to following Jesus and being a Christian, the Bible says this and makes it really clear. And so I simply wanna read this together. And I don't know about you, but maybe it might feel like a breath of fresh air. It says this. So here's what I want you to do. Great. With God helping you, take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike culture around you, dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. What you see determines what you do. And this, this is what I want with my life. I listen to a lot of podcasts, I'm a podcast girly. There's a lot of people I love learning from that aren't Christians. And there's one in particular who, he's a Buddhist and I have just been so inspired by the way he lives his life. And growing up in church, I've actually been kind of sad about this because it seems as if he's very grounded, he's very peaceful, he's very at ease. And I'm a Christian, and sometimes all I feel is anxiety. And I've grown up in church, and I've watched Christians try and strive and maybe give the wrong message. But when I read the Bible, it says this, fix your attention on God. God brings out the best in you. Embrace what God does for you, and this is a breath of fresh air for my lungs. I don't know if you've ever felt like I felt. Confused, frustrated, angry, have all these feelings. I have all these reactions. I have frustrations from what I see on the news, on media, um, on my Instagram feed. But this says, fix your attention on God. Do you know that the number one most wanted, needed thing in the world right now is? Your attention. People pay billions of dollars for your focus. They pay billions of dollars just for a second of your attention. Can you imagine what would happen to our homes, to our city, to this church, if we said, I'm just gonna fix my attention on Jesus. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to strive. All I have to do is fix my attention on Jesus. The Bible says you just have to offer your life as an offering to God. Hey, that makes me uncomfortable. I wanna do something. I wanna impress you. I wanna razzle dazzle Jesus. Jesus doesn't care. He loves me. I don't have to do anything. God sees me right where I'm at. He sees you right where you at. What do you see? Because it determines what you do. What you see determines what you do. 
You don't have to chase God. You don't have to hustle for God. You don't have to follow rules and religion. This entire passage of scripture is how Abraham didn't even do that. He messed up so much. But what's he known for? His story today, he's the father of our faith. He's the father of nations. He messed it up so bad, y'all. But he clung to the promise of what God said he would do, not based on the problem and the pain of his circumstance. What do you see in your marriage? Come on, what do you see at your school? What do you see in your friendships? Come on, what do you see at work? What do you see with conversations with really important people? What do you see in conversations with people who are going through it? I just believe, I have this crazy faith that God's gonna keep placing people in this house in rooms we don't deserve to be in. I have this crazy, crazy faith that God's doing something in our church, in our community, that when we get to those rooms, you don't have to stress, you don't have to be nervous. I have this crazy faith that actors, actresses, songwriters, singers are gonna come from this house. Why? Because they said, I wanna embrace what God does. I wanna fix my attention on Jesus. Come on, I've had a really hard week. And every single day I've asked myself, hey Macy, what do you see? Because right now, I see anxiety. Right now, I see frustration. Right now, I see pain. Right now, I really honestly don't see how this is gonna work out, but God, what do you say? God, what do you see? Can you imagine a room full of people who live their life like that? God, what do you see? This is really hard, it's valid, it's difficult. But God, what do you see? Keep going, press through. So come on, I want us all to stand. So we're gonna go back into a time of worship because worship is so pivotal in our relationship with God because it takes the focus off of us and puts our attention on who Jesus is. So this is very intentional time that we wanna carve out at the remainder of our service. So I wanna encourage you to stay. But before we do that, I wanna ask two questions. Maybe you're in the room and you've never seen clearly. meaning maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus or you can't see what that life looks like for you and you wanna say, hey, I wanna decide to start a relationship with Jesus today for the first time, for the first time in a long time. And I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and I'm not asking you to raise your hand for a moment for us I'm asking you to raise your hand for a moment for you because there's something so important about when you make a decision to do something. So come on, if that's you, and you say, hey, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna live a life where I see what God's doing based off of what I'm going through. Can you just lift your hand? Really simple. Just lift one hand. Come on, I see that hand. Come on, I see that hand. Come on, I see that hand. 
And this is pivotal because what I want you to do is go home and write in your phone, on a journal, something, write down October 1st. Because October 1st is the day that you realign your vision to what God is doing based off of what you're feeling, based off of what you're going through. So next week, next month, when you don't feel like it, you're gonna say on October 1st, I made the decision to put Jesus first in my life. There's a second group of people I wanna pray for really quick. And maybe you're in the room and you're like, eesh, can't see it. I can't see it in my marriage. I can't see it in my mental health. I can't see it in my career. God, what are you doing? God, where are you? Can we do this? Can we lift both hands? Say, God, I want to see what you see. on, begin to start praying over yourself because a lot of times we come to church and this is a great thing where we get to pray over each other but I want to be intentional right now about you lifting up your voice and you proclaiming faith over your situation, faith over your marriage. God, I think it's the end. God, I don't want to do this anymore. No, Jesus, you're good. God, you believe in our family. God, there's more to this story. Hey, I have anxiety out the wazoo and I can't even think or breathe right now. No. Hey, Jesus, you are peace. You are the Lord of my life. The Bible says your thoughts are higher, your ways are higher. So we're going to start to agree and proclaim that in faith, the goodness of God, who God says we are, not what we see, not what we feel, not what we think, but God is good. God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. So come on, let's worship together. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org connect. We love you so much, and we'll see you soon.